I hope you're enjoying your uh, long weekend. I hope you get one anyway, um, and cut a, little, a few days off of work. But, you know, I was just thinking the other day, I remember uh, the first time I ever thought about heaven and the concept of work. The first time I ever thought about working in heaven, it was a, uh, a beautiful spring day. I happened to be off that day. I was uh, working on a project at home. It was one of those perfect days. I mean, if you can just, uh, it's kind of hot now, but, but when it, before it gets hot in the spring, it's warm, you know, the, the cold's kind of gone. The, the, that was a day like that. It was warm. It wasn't really hot. It was breezy, uh, but it wasn't cool either. And I was working on a project and I was sawing some wood, and, and I was cutting a pine, some pine lumber. And, uh, you know, everything was perfect. The smell of the wood, the, the birds singing around me. I was in the shade of a beautiful tree. It had pink flowers on it there. And all of a sudden, this thought went through my mind is like, you know, heaven's going to be like today. It's going to be like today. And suddenly, even though I hadn't thought of my grandfather, my grandfather passed away about 35 years ago. I hadn't thought about him specifically in a while, but suddenly I thought to myself this thought, one day I will work with my grandfather in heaven and we will build something together. And you know what? That was such a rewarding thought. It was such a peaceful thought and how exciting I kind of got about that moment there. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about heaven and we're going to ask the question, will I work in heaven? Now some of you are going, hang on, put on the brakes here because I thought heaven was going to be great and perfect. And I don't know about this idea of working in heaven. You know, what, what's that going to be like? Is it really going to be heaven if I have to work there? Because work is not so great here. I mean, after all, the Bible says in, in Revelation chapter 4, they will rest from their labors. Next, we're going to talk about resting in heaven. But the Bible also says that we're going to work there. It says his servants will serve him. So are we going to rest or are we going to work in heaven? What's it going to be like there? You know, there's a lot of questions about heaven, and we've been trying to address them, and I certainly don't have all the answers there, but we do know that heaven's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. There's nothing to worry about or distress, even though you may be working there. The Bible tells us that one day, our world, as we know it's going to be interrupted, that Jesus is going to come back to earth. He's going to close out this chapter of time, and, uh, and we're going to, He's going to bring heaven to earth as it once was in the beginning, a new heaven and a new earth, whatever that may look like. And, and it's going to be awesome. And, and one of the false narratives that we've been trying to dispel through this study is what it will be like there. And, and some people have the idea that heaven's going to be boring and we're just going to be sitting around doing nothing all day. But I don't think that's true at all. And we talked last week, uh, answer the question, definitely is not going to be a, a, a boring place. There's going to be plenty to do in heaven. Someone said in heaven, we're going to worship our Lord we are going to wonder at His majesty, and we're going to work. So there's three W's if you want to jump in on that. It's not, our, it's not our outline today, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Worship, wonder, and work. Now, here's why I say that, because I think that we were created to be productive. We were created to do something. We were created to work and be active. We oftentimes use the word work, though, in a lot of different ways, if you think about it. Sometimes we use the word work, we say, I got to go to work, and we describe that not as our job, we describe it as things that we do for other people. I need to go work for so-and-so, I need to go do this for family or friends or neighbors, and, and we call those good works, good things we're doing, no pay is involved in that, you know, maybe no recognition, it's just something that we do, and probably all of us have things that we do freely for people, but, but that's kind of work. And then we have our, our ministry service. We have our volunteerism, and we have, you know, there's no way that we could put on ministries and, 
and programming without our volunteers. We have people that get here long before me on Sunday morning. Everything is set up, volunteers. We do it for God. We do it for the church and the family and for people to come to know Jesus. Those are good works as well. And then we have our work, our real work, our vocation, whatever that may be, our income stream. And then a lot of people maybe have a little bit on the side, some side work that we do. You know, our hobbies can be our work. Sometimes our hobbies are harder work than what our real work is. But there's our yard work and our gardening and the things we have to do to kind of keep things going around us. And what I was thinking about that is many times the work that we do is the things we choose to do. Whether it's volunteerism, whether it's extra things on the side, whether we create work for ourselves. I know people who work very hard, don't get a dime for it, but it's the satisfaction of just doing that that is work. And, and, and most of us, I think, if you really put some thought into it, we spend more time working in some way than we do anything else. More time working than sleeping, more time working than relaxing, certainly more time than eating. You know, work occupies a lot of our time. So the question is, when we get to heaven, what, what are we going to do with our time? Will we continue on doing the things that we've been doing here on earth in some ways? Will we be busy? What will be going on? And I say that, yes, I say that heaven will be a place not only of eternal enjoyment, but also a place of eternal employment as well. But in a different sense, of course, as we'll get there in just a few minutes. Now, there's several reasons why I think that's true. There's just a lot of activity in heaven, a lot going on, a lot of work going on. And the first one is because God works. God is a God of work. He's a busy God. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God's work week and there was a lot that happened that very first work week. If you look and, and just read about creation, you'll see all these things that God did. He imagined, he, and he made them, and in the last, he made man in his own image. And then he, so he worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. And by the way, he gave us a rhythm for life, whether it's the seventh day that we rest or, or whatever it is. It's a rhythm for life that we, that we work and then we rest. And we, if we don't ever rest, then our work is going to be cut short, Right? And then Romans chapter 8 says that God still is working. Here, here's what, this is my favorite verse, by the way. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works, good and bad. God is working behind the scenes to make everything turn out well for those who love him and who are called to his purpose. So God is still very active in our world today. So not only does God work, continues to work, but Jesus also worked. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, he wasn't just a, he wasn't just a scholar, he was also a laborer. We know that Jesus grew up and he was a carpenter. And a lot of people say that in that day, it wasn't so much in working with wood as it maybe was just in building, it maybe even stones, because a lot of things, was, things were built of stone. So if, if that were to be true, whether it's work, stone, whatever it is, Jesus knew how to do a hard day's work physically. He was a worker. His father, we don't know a lot about him, so he may well have been, uh, you know, he may have passed away early. So Jesus, many speculate, may have provided for the family for the first few years of his life. So he knew what it was like to work, but he had a lot more important work to do as well. He wasn't just physical labor that he did because we know that he stepped in and took on a work, a ministry for his heavenly father. 
And, and we, when he was on the earth, he carried that ministry out, and it wasn't an easy thing. It might not have always been a physical labor like some people do, but it was emotional, mental, spiritual work that he did. And he did that work for his heavenly Father, and he completed it because we know that whenever he died, the last words that Jesus spoke on the earth were it is, before his death were, it is finished. So his work was finished. He took this work on that God had gave to him, and he finished his work. Now, while none of us obviously can match the value of their work, all of us obviously were created with the need to perform meaningful work. We need to be able to do something. It's, it's important for us mentally, emotionally, to be able to accomplish something. And the proof is that many times whenever people retire after a long work life and they don't have a reason to get up in the morning, their bodies, they slowly begin to die. You know, I spoke to someone this week that told me she retired and she's not doing well. She said, I don't have anything to do. I need structure in my life. I need a purpose. I need meaning uh, to do that. I know men who are like that as well. Sometimes men even more than women. But, but we need that. We need to feel like I've got something i got to do today. i got a reason to get up. i got something that needs to be done that God wants me to do. So it's important, you know, that, that we have an idea of whether whatever work looks like, it's important that we have something that needs to be get, get done. Now, I don't think that means that you shouldn't retire. I think everybody looks forward to retiring, but you don't stop working. You continue to volunteer. You continue to invest. And for many, it's investing in our grandchildren. We're working. Some they can be worked. There's a reason you have kids when you're young, right? Because it can be, can be hard work. Or maybe it's investing in other people. Or maybe it's in ministry opportunities. You find ways to invest and you do something that is meaningful. You know, I think one of the things about this shutdown is, has been difficult. It's not been good because for a lot of people, there's nothing to do. Their work, you know, is suspended or they're laid off or furloughed or something. And there's not a, a lot of places to go and do anything. And there's a lot of too much time on your hands. And whenever we're not being productive, we know that that leads to all sorts of problems. I'm told that spouse abuse is up and child abuse is up and crime's up, addiction. It's not been good for people who struggle with addictions. Alcohol sales increased a great deal. All that's just very unhealthy because when there's nothing to do and you're not productive, you know, things begin to go downhill. And also we, we need meaningful work. We need something that's important. Many, many people choose their vocation based on how much money they're going to get. Not necessarily anything wrong with that, but other people choose their vocation for the meaning in it, how much difference it's going to make. What kind of difference am I going to make in, in other people's life? And that's why many people choose roles of, of service or providing a service for people that is really needed or a, a need that's very obvious. People reach out to that. Maybe some reach into ministry, social work, whatever it may be, trying to find ways to help other people, to invest in other, in other people. And, and that's wise, you know. Other people are wise, and they consider what does their work look like, the quality of life. You know, some people have jobs that they hate, and they're just they're killing themselves. They're just struggling, and they don't have a great quality of life. So our work needs to be meaningful. It needs to have a good quality of life. Our lifestyle it needs to be something that we're comfortable with. All these things kind of come together in our, in our work to say what we do needs to be meaningful, valuable. And not necessarily does it have to pay that much, even though that's a bonus, right? But someone said your net worth does not determine your self-worth. 
Our self-worth is determined by Christ who we belong to. And I believe the work that we do that for Him and for other people, to invest in other people, is the most meaningful kind of work. And that's the kind of work that also is going to lead us into eternity. You know, I've been blessed uh, to be able to be in full-time ministry uh, for 37 years. That's a long time, uh, almost a little more than that uh, in, in part-time before that. But I've even been more blessed to be able to do the last 23 or so right here uh, in Versailles. But let me just say this, that you don't have to be a vocational minister to be doing ministry. And, and I even think sometimes that being a vocational minister gets in the way of doing ministry, which is a weird thing to say. But sometimes you get, you're limited because people just pigeonhole, this is who you are, and of course you're going to do it because you are a minister. But I would say that ministry can sometimes be easily, more easily done by people who don't have that title to drag around with them. We're all called to serve. Every one of us are called to serve and to work with God, to partner with God. Jesus said this in, in John chapter 5, my father is always at his work, at work to do this very day, and I too am working. I, wouldn't it be great if we all got up in the morning and said, you know what? God's at work today, and I'm going to work with him. I'm going to find what God's doing, and I'm going to tag onto that, and that's going to be my goal for the day. I'm working. I, yeah, I've got a job, but along the way, I'm going to be doing God's work too, because God has a plan for that. And God didn't create the earth and retire. We know God's still working, right? Jesus didn't come down, finish his work on the earth, and retire to heaven. He's still working too, right? Jesus' ministry was to invite people to join him in his work and his father in his work. And so because of that, we get a chance to tag along, and we get a chance to look forward to the work that Jesus is doing. You probably know that Jesus is hard at work right now, right? The Bible says that he's going to prepare a place for us. I don't know what that entails exactly, but, but he is at work preparing a place for us to go to be with him at some point. So here's the thing. If you want to get to know God better and you want to grow and know his family better, the very best way to do that is to join his work. It's to get on board and work alongside of him, and that is to serve him in some way. You know, we're kind of limited right now in what we can do just because of uh, the virus and the, you know, limitations, but the church needs people to serve. And when we get rolling again, and we're trying to get back into children's ministry and student ministry started up last week, there are needs for people to serve in those areas, to come alongside and invest in young people. You know, we have folks who greet out front. We need people to be a part of that. We have a lot of opportunities for service and volunteerism. Those are things that we do for the cause of Christ. And we can actually do ministry we can do work for God, but also we can find a way to work for God in almost everything we do on a daily basis, even what we're getting paid for, which is a, a bonus, I believe. In fact, Colossians 3 said, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If you were to go to work tomorrow with that thought in mind, Somebody's paying my salary, but God's the one I'm really working for. He's the one that I'm trying to please. He is the one that I want to honor with my work and my attitude, not for human masters, because God's providing for them as well in order for them to provide for you, but you're really working for God, working for God. And you know, that has to be a mental 
thought. It has to be an attitude in our mind. Because for a lot of people, work doesn't have the best reputation. There are a lot of people who don't want to work. And a few months ago, when I said that we're going to work in heaven, some, some people's spirits kind of fell. They're like, what? You know, I'm disappointed that I've got to work in heaven. I mean, uh, you know, what's that all about? But let me tell you, work has always existed from the beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, when God put man in the garden, what did he tell him to do? I want you to work. I want you to work the garden. Maybe not in the sense that we think of today, but I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to take care of the animals, take care of this earth that I've given you, and rule over it. And you know what? That work was enjoyable and fulfilling the work, fulfilling work. It wasn't a drudgery. The, the reason why work is a drudgery is because of sin. The curse of sin is what made work menial and tedious and frustrating and undesirable. It's what creates that negative thought of the workplace or, or your job. Genesis chapter 3 explains the curse about work because God cursed the ground. No longer would the ground just produce on its own. Now you got to break the ground. You got to plant the seed. You got to, you know, pull the weeds. You got to water. You got to do all that work because the ground is cursed. And you have to toil to produce the food. You have to fight thorns and thistles that are going to come up. That was a part of the curse too. You have to do it by the sweat of your brow. That's the reason that work is difficult because of the curse of sin. Why everything takes more time, more energy, more thought, you know, than it really more. It's why it's frustrating. We all know today that we're under that curse of sin, every one of us, whatever our job may be. But Jesus came to lift the curse and actually to do the really heavy lifting for us. Jesus works so that we don't have to work, if you put it in that perspective there. So that when we follow him, he works in us to transform us and to change us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then He works through us as we work for Him. So He invites us to join His work for us, and then He works in our lives, and His Spirit works, works in us. You see, we work for Him, but we don't work for Him to save ourselves. We work as a result of His salvation for us. It's not our good works. We can't do enough to make God love us and, and save us, but because we've been saved, now we work for Him. It's a result of our salvation. Because we benefited from His work, we now join Him in His work. And if we don't work and serve Him, then I think that we probably haven't truly responded to the grace He's given to us. Again, we don't work to make God love us, but we work because He does love us. And you know what I've discovered down through time? That our motivation has to come from within us. We don't just get the perks all the time, even though we, we, you know, we obviously most of us get paid to work, that doesn't always make people love their work or do a great job. In reality, it has to come from within us. It's, it's kind of an attitude. You know, I discovered that when I was a young man. I was 18 years old, and I went uh, out of high school pretty much into uh, a public job. I worked, worked at GE. And my parents had raised me with a very strong work ethic growing up. I would never, I just didn't slack off. Dad said, it's time to go to work, and we went to work. And so I went into the factory planning to work. But I soon discovered something in the factory is that not everybody was there to work. In fact, the biggest, uh, most of the effort of some people in the, in the factory was trying how not to work. It was trying to figure out a way to avoid working and slacking off and, and getting through the time. And that was all different for me. I'd never experienced that. I soon learned that the workers around me didn't want me to work too hard 
Because when I worked too hard, it made them look bad. If they were on a different shift and I was producing more parts than they were, they came down hard on me and they told me, don't ever do that again. Because if you do more, then we have to do more. That, that was the mentality. I also learned that when uh, the, the boss walked by, you looked really busy. And when he walked away, productivity went down pretty quickly. And you know what? That's how a lot of the world works. It really is. And it's no surprise to any of us probably. But if we work as if we work for the Lord, then all of our work becomes important and serious and we take it seriously. It's an attitude, not just the spiritual things we do, but the secular things we do as well. It's kind of something that we carry through our work life. And the work that we do for Jesus is crucial, not only because it's important, but also because one day we're going to be judged. You know, the Bible talks about two separate judgments. We haven't talked a lot about this in our study leading up to heaven, but there are two judgments spoken of in the Bible. One of them is the judgment between believers and unbelievers. And the Bible calls this the white throne judgment. And really that judgment is basically predetermined beforehand by that person's decision here upon the earth whether to accept Christ or reject him. It's going to be judgment that is announced based on what people have decided. It's not God condemning people. It's that we condemn ourselves and we don't have him to forgive, Christ to forgive us. And so the judgment's already made. And those who are believers are going to be directed to heaven and unbelievers are going to be sent to hell. That's what the Bible says. But then the Bible also talks about what we might call a believer's judgment. Maybe that's a poor term, but it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And this seems to be where believers are judged based on how faithfully they serve Christ on the earth. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And it's here seemingly that we'll be judged on how faithfully we lived our lives, how, how faithful we were in, in obeying and, and being faithful to Him day by day and serving and giving and sacrifice and our actions and our thoughts, the souls that we lead to Christ, the people we disciple, how investing, investing in other people. And seemingly, our good works are going to be rewarded for that. In fact, uh, in heaven, our faithfulness on earth is going to be rewarded, and we're going to be given crowns, specific crowns the Bible talks about, and even greater responsibility. And much of that seems to be based on our work here on this earth. See, Jesus explained this in a parable he gave in Matthew 25 about the parable of the talents. And to the servant who had been faithful, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so seemingly there's going to be rewards and responsibility. Later on in Luke chapter 19, Jesus promises faithful servants that they'll be given five or ten cities for their work here upon the earth. And that seems to be in the kingdom of heaven. So what we do here matters. It really does. It makes a big difference. We, we may be working for stuff here, but we all know we can't take it with us. However, we can send it on before us. And laying up, we've heard of laying up our crowns in heaven. That's important. This life here in many ways is just like an internship that we're experiencing in our work and learning and being faithful. And then death is a promotion to our eternal job up into heaven. Maybe that's the best way we can think about it. So I do believe there's going to be some work in heaven. But let's talk specifically about that. What is work in heaven going to be like? Of course, no one knows for sure. But I think there are some inferences that we can take here. And here's some thoughts. 
First of all, in heaven, work will be a joy. Work will definitely be a joy. It will not have the curse of, of, of work of sin here on the earth. And we'll be working with other peoples that, that we love. You know, we talked about the difference between heaven and hell. And to wrap this series up, I'm going to talk about hell uh, a, a little bit, the last message. But, but hell will be an isolated place of quarantine with no purpose, no progress, constant suffering. That will be the minimum, minimum uh, punishment, but, but it will be horrible. Heaven, on the other hand, I believe will be a place that will find purpose and meaning, will be productive, and will love going to work. And one of the major differences between work on earth and in heaven is that we won't grow tired or we won't grow weary with the work in heaven. There won't be any headaches in our work. There won't be any plans that don't work out. It will be the best job ever. You can imagine just the very best job ever. Work will be like that in heaven. Secondly, there are going to be some jobs that no doubt will continue on and some jobs that will be no more. And I guess some of the bad news is that some of you are going to have to start new careers. Because if you're in the medical field, probably not going to be needing you there. Nobody's going to get sick in heaven, all right? Nobody's going to die. Dentist, not good for you there. Police officers, only to be helping people because there's no crime in heaven, right? Funeral directors, you're out. I mean, there's just nothing, nothing to do there, right? Insurance salesmen, not going to work there either. Judges, lawyers, parole officers, a lot of those jobs, you know, just aren't going to be needed in heaven because there's not going to be any problems or crime. <laughs> However, no doubt a lot of people will continue on with their current jobs. Maybe gardeners, botanists, zoologists, ranchers, and farmers, and builders, and artists, and animal trainers, musicians, scientists, craftsmen, uh, engineers, explorers, designers, hundreds of other jobs that are creative and there's going to be plenty, plenty to do. Everybody's going to work together. Everybody's going to collaborate. There'll be no competition in the workplace. The most ama amazing results imaginable will be created through our work in heaven. For some, though, uh, the good news is that maybe your hobby or your interest may become your job. A lot of people wish they didn't have the job they have. You know, a lot of people like to have another job, but they have other things. Uh, they just aren't going to retrain, you know, for another job at this point in their life. But heaven will be a place that you can retrain. There'll be plenty of time to retrain for a job that you love. I think also in heaven, people will do the jobs they were made for. You know, a lot of people say, I never worked a day in my life. People have said that and mean that because they, they don't see what they do as work because they enjoy it so much. In heaven, I think we'll say that. I think we'll mean that. You'll discover what you were meant to do and be, and you'll find meaning and purpose in life. Here's another thing. I think your work will be more effective and efficient than it ever has been. It really will. Have you ever wondered if your work really mattered to anybody? If what you did really made a difference in life, or are you just wasting your time? Is it just busy work? Or maybe you spent hours on a project, and you turned it in, and it was ignored, or, or it was rejected in some way. And heaven, all of your work is going to be valued. It's going to be applauded and, and, and rewarded in a lot of different ways. Here's another thing. You'll never run out of time to, to continue learning new things. We talked about heaven will be a place of exploration and learning. We're going to develop new abilities and invest in other people. There'll be people that we'll be encouraging in heaven, that we'll be working with and mentoring, and we'll be mentored by other people, no doubt. We talked about in, in heaven, we won't know everything. So we'll be learning things and, and discovering things. Now, we don't have any idea what time will be like in heaven, 
uh, whether it'll be, you know, uh, what our schedule will be like, but you'll never run out of time to finish something that you're working on. And you will learn new skills and new discoveries and develop new theories and grow professionally. Here's a big one. Work there in heaven will not be determined or driven or limited by finances. Just think about that. What if you could work and you didn't have to worry about what it paid or where the money was going to go? That's off the table right there. You won't have to make a living in heaven because it's already been made for you. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? Whatever you build in heaven is gonna, will never be broken. It will never wear out. It will never need repair or replacement. That's amazing, isn't it? No service work up there to repair things. The worst day of work in heaven will be better than the best day of work on earth. Think of your best day. And heaven will be so much better than that. And then, then the last thing, no doubt, the good things that we were working on in earth, on earth and didn't finish will be completed in eternity. The Bible says that our good works will follow us. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, how accurate all of that is, but I just feel like it's going to be amazing. And we're going to be busy and energetic. And whatever we do in heaven, everything will be done for God. In Revelation chapter 22, it says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. His servants will serve Him. And it will be all about God. He will get all the honor and the glory and the recognition for everything we do. We won't even want that. It'll just be a joy to serve. Heaven's going to be awesome. Awesome. But let me just say this. Like I have several times, it's important that we recognize that not everybody is going to heaven. You know, I've been out and, and the preacher gets excited about what he's preaching about. So I've been in places secular businesses, talking about heaven, trying to, you know, invite people to come and listen and everything. And, and what I get, I generally get the feeling from people that they assume everybody's going to heaven. Now, I really believe that most people think, oh, I'm going to heaven for sure. I, I'll go. Even people that have just zero seemingly connection to God and don't even claim to. But the sad thing is, is that this wonderful place that's being prepared for us, God wants everyone there, but not everybody's going to go. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So the Bible tells us that a lot of people will assume they're going to enter heaven. And maybe even try to enter, enter heaven, and they'll be looking for the name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and it just won't be there. Many people think, oh, I'm going to get in because I'm a good person. But it doesn't work that way. Or I've done a lot of good things for God and uh, help people. It doesn't work that way. You can only enter heaven God's way, which is what Jesus said, a personal relationship with him, because it is the only way to the Father. Because he's the one who's done all the work. Everything that we do, we can do great things here on the earth, but none of those things are going to get, earn us salvation. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ, a relationship with him, a personal, vibrant, alive, continuing relationship with Jesus. And those who have that, those who are faithful, will experience this incredible place that we've been talking about. So I want to challenge you to think about that. 
and who or what you're depending on to get there. Hopefully, it is only, only through Jesus Christ. If it's otherwise, I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. We're going to transition right now to, again, a time that we take every Lord's Day, a moment that is so important for us because it reminds us, it takes us back to the work that Jesus did. Of all the things that Jesus did on, on the earth, uh, this, is, this is the greatest thing. The Bible says that whenever Jesus was about to face his crucifixion, that he was sweating like drops of blood, that it was just, his body was just struggling with acknowledging this. The spiritual battle and the emotional battle. It was even a physical thing. And he did that for us. And so we're going to take a few moments like we do every Lord's Day to remember that. And hopefully when you came in, you, you got one of the little communion kits. And I'm going to ask you if you would just to open that up in preparation. A moment we'll take this in remembrance of him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word and what you say about heaven. God, we know that we're limited to, to words and thoughts that are here upon this earth that are familiar to us. But God, you gave us all those things and we know that there's greater thoughts and greater dreams that we can not even imagine, Lord, of what heaven might be like. Father, we know that we don't deserve heaven and we'll never do enough to get there. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can ever find our way there. And Lord, just now as we take a moment to think about the, the most difficult work that Jesus did, the most agonizing struggle of his physical life and spiritual life, God, when you had to limit yourself and allow your son to be taken and to be placed on the cross. And Lord, as we take this moment, we now remember as Jesus taught us to do, to take the bread and the cup in remembrance of him. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would bless us. Lord, may this be a, a special moment of worship, consecration to you. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.